y'all have your Bibles, if you'll look, we're in John chapter 17. Um, and I want us to look at just the first five verses of John 17. We're going to read that together. And uh, I'm calling this message this morning fatherly advice. What we have is the Lord Jesus Christ praying to his Father. So you have God the Son talking to God the Father. And without a doubt, the ultimate father-son relationship will yield to us some very clear examples of how all of our parent-child, specifically father-child relationships, uh, ought to play out. And so that's what I want us to see. If you'll just follow along, John chapter 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou, hast gave, which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so what we have here in the entire chapter of John 17, a lot of you probably already know this, is just Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane shortly before the crucifixion is about to take place. And truly, the term the Lord's Prayer would apply to John 17 more so than what we typically think of the Lord's Prayer, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, in Matthew 6, okay? Because really that prayer... I think unwisely titled the Lord's Prayer is more the disciples' prayer. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. And when he prays, he starts off by saying, Our Father, which art in heaven. Here Jesus says, My Father, you know, Father, you know, and he talks to him as his own personal one-on-one Father. And so that's a real important thing to think about. Now, basically what Jesus is doing in this passage, and the reason I decided to just stay here for Father's Day is, here you have God the Son just having a conversation with his dad. And... I know for myself, and, and probably for you too, um, if your kids come up and just say, hey, let's, let's, just, let's just hang out and talk a little while, how does that make you feel? I can do that. You can do that. Yeah, man, all of us dads, you know, I mean, if you even remotely have a good relationship with your families, then, you know, your kids come to you and say, let's just talk. Um, you're, you like that. That's a cool thing. Um, so let's just pray, and um, what we'll do then is we'll jump into the rest of the passage. Thanks, Dean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you, we just pray, God, that you would bless this reading of the Scripture and the understanding of it to our lives, that as we go forward, that we would just get these main principles in these few verses to understand better how we who are fathers can apply these principles that we see here and all of us for sure our children of some father uh, can better understand how to relate to our our earthly fathers as well if we still have them around in our lives and so uh, with that before us i do pray that you would be glorified in our lives this morning we pray in christ's name amen all right so what i want us to do um is just take a look at this one theme that keeps repeating itself through John 17. Uh, And the thing that you read over and over and over again in these five verses is the word glorify, glorify, glorify. You maybe noticed that as we were reading through that, glorify. And I find that when I talk to people that frequently this idea of glorifying someone or glorifying the Lord is misunderstood. And really, it's not a difficult concept to understand. To glorify something literally just means 
to praise or to magnify or to honor. Uh, when I think, I like the word to magnify. Uh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's glorify the Lord together. In other words, to magnify the Lord, if we just made it in common English, we might say, make a big deal out of. Let's make a big deal out of God. Okay, And this, this idea here of glorifying God, the Son says to the Father, He asked the Father to glorify Him for the Father to make a big deal about His Son. Uh, these are some interesting principles. And so what we see is this glorifying thing, it, it lines up with this Bible principle that we frequently referred to as honor. Uh, in verse number four, it also says, I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So there's another principle as a child relating to the Father There's another principle besides just honoring your father. The other principle is obedience. And so honor and obey. Those are themes throughout the scripture that we see laid out in the ultimate father-son relationship. Now the father, the role that we see the father play in these first five verses is, it starts out in verse number two, as thou hast given him power. So the father is the one who's actually providing something. He's giving something. He is the provider. He gives provision for his son. And the thing that he gives his son is power or strength. And and this gift that he gives to the son is with the express purpose that then the son would go and share that with the rest of the world. Ultimately, in the context, it's Jesus Christ dying for our sins that we could have eternal life. And so um, this idea of a father providing for and leading his son, giving him the, the equipment that he needs uh, are good principles. And so what I want us to do as we get into this is, is just kind of see how this applies to our lives as good children and parents or fathers specifically in our daily lives. Again, it says in verse number two, as thou, Jesus speaking to the Father, as thou, Father, hast given to him, the Son, power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So that's, that's what the Father does. The Father provides this leadership. The, power, the Father gives this power and this strength. The book of Proverbs starts off in chapter number one and verse number eight with a, with a real cool introduction to all the Proverbs. Now the Proverbs that's the book of wisdom. That's the, that's the book of these, these little one-liners that just kind of summarize God's wisdom for our life. And in verse number eight of Proverbs one, it says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. And, and it's Solomon as a human author writing these things. But really, as we read the Proverbs, we need to read it as our heavenly father speaking to us, the spiritual children who believe in Jesus Christ, that hey, listen to the instruction of your father. Now, in our lives, that's what we see. That's, that's something a father provides or ought to provide. So the first part of what I want to talk about this morning is to you dads. Are, are you a father? If you're in this room and you, ha- you are a father, if you have children, uh, then there is another New Testament principle that goes right in line with this one. And it comes in Ephesians chapter 6. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this in verse number 4, And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so we see what fathers are supposed to do. Fathers are supposed to not provoke their children to wrath or to anger, but they are to bring them up. So it's a dad's job to oversee this process of raising our children right, which means providing for them for sure and giving them these qualities of life. But when we think about nurture and admonition, 
I think sometimes we misunderstand some of these words as well. Nurture is more than just love. Sometimes we think of nurture as just, you know, hugs and kisses. And, and it includes that. But really, the word nurture is the same root as the word nourish. And that's to feed. In other words, to nurture is to give instruction. To nurture is to provide an environment that allows for growth. To nurture is to train up. That's literally what to nurture means. And, and to admonish, admonition is, is, yes, it's a form of discipline. Yes, it's a form of correction, but it really is a gentler form of that. And so a father should gently reprove as necessary their children. And, and that's what he's saying that we should do. So when we look at that, we, we provide these things as fathers for our children. It's more than just money. It's more than just material things. And those are important. But those aren't nearly as critically important for the lasting future of your children. We're to teach them. We're to train them and to raise them up in the way that they should go. And so that ultimately, like the Heavenly Father gave power to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would then take that and help other people. We give these things to our children so that then our children can be productive members of society and contribute to others as they go on generation after generation. And so that's a, that's a really important thing. Dads, if you want to give something that will last, if you want to give something of real value to your kids, then you need to give them what God the Father gave God the Son, and that's power. Uh, that, that really is a godly heritage. It's a legacy of a life lived right. It's, it's a moral compass. It's, it's character. You give your child that, and odds are way in your favor that they're going to turn out right, and they are going to influence many, many others in the, in, the, uh, in the society and the people that they come in contact with. That's kind of what we see God the Father doing for God the Son. Let's, let's flip it around. Are you a child? Well, you know, we hear that differently sometimes, but all of us have parents. We're breathing. So, you know, we all have a father somewhere. Some of us don't have our earthly fathers with us anymore, and some of us still do. Um, but the thing that is repeated over and over again, like I said, is this idea of to glorify. And again, let's just go back to honor or to magnify. And then the idea of obedience. I've finished the work. So again, back in Ephesians chapter 6, we read verse number 4, written to the fathers. Ephesians 6, 1, 2, and 3 are written to the children, and it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So again, we see those same two principles that we see with God the Father and God the Son. We see honor and obey, honor and obey, honor and obey. So children are to obey their parents. Why? Now, if you have raised children or if you are in the process of raising young children right now, this is no new question to you. You ask your children to do something and what do they always say right away? Why? Right? They're just, it's just in there, right? Well, the answer is because I said so. Uh, the Bible answer is because it's right. Because it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know what? It's interesting because when we think about that, and again, there, there are hours of study on how to be good parents and how to be good children to our parents and that sort of thing. I just want to point out these, these basic principles um, when we think about this. But children are to obey their parents, their fathers. Why? Because it's right. But it's just, it's just good planning. You know what? A lot of times, I realize that not in every case, but in many, many cases, 
If you're as old as I am, you might remember an old TV show that used to be on many, many years ago called Father Knows Best. Okay, well, sometimes that's just true. Sometimes father just knows best. And, and, and the reason is, is that if your father is a good father, and I realize they not all, not all of them are, but if your father is a good father, he's probably a good father because way back when, he was a good son to his father. And, and you know, that principle we see laid out for us in the Proverbs as well. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse, first three verses, it says this. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding, kind of like we saw in chapter 1. It says, for I give you good doctrine. Just understand the word doctrine just means teaching, instruction, nurture. I give you good nurture. I give you good teaching. I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. Why? For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. In other words, I've been where you are. I'm just trying to help you. So, Children, obey your parents. Why? Well, because it's right. Because it's the right thing to do. Now it's Father's Day. And maybe some of you have struggled with, what do I get my dad for Father's Day? I got to give him something. I don't know what to give him, you know. You know. And for some of you, maybe it's easier. For some of you, maybe it's harder. Um, can I tell you what dads would really love for you to give us? Just do what we say. Would that work? I mean, if you just obey your father, save your money. Really, just obey your father. Would that be cool? Uh, that would be a great gift. That would be something, by the way, if you do that truly, you, you know what that would do for your dad? It would glorify him. It would make him a big deal. He feels like, wow, they honor me. They respect me. They praise me. They care about me. They, they listen to what I say. I, I feel larger now because my kids actually care enough to do what I ask them to do. The scriptures, again, back to the Proverbs, because so much wise counsel about these relationships. Back in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 25, it's the flip side of the coin. If you don't do that, uh, it kind of warns you. And it says in Proverbs 17, 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her that bear him. You know, I, I know a little bit about this verse um, as it's played out in my life. Uh, Dean, as he was here, was very open to share struggles he's been through. And if you know Dean, he's, one of the things you love about him is that he's willing to share the difficult times as well as the victories. Um, I got saved 30 years ago, which is really cool for me, that's been that long now, um, in August, 1983. The 1st of September, 1983, is when my dad died. And so I'm 51, I was 21, and leading up to the, the several years leading up to when I got saved, my dad had cancer, he was dying, there was not much time left when actually I got saved, I re-enrolled in college, and then he passed away shortly thereafter. The last several years of my relationship with my dad, all he really remembered was the bad stuff. I mean, I did dumb things that teenagers without Christ do, okay? And I was involved in things I'm embarrassed to tell you about. And he knew about them. And he was not thrilled. And I was proud. And I was mad at him because he didn't seem to approve of my wicked lifestyle. But he was right. And you know, I never, he never really got to live long enough 
to see God clean me up. He never really got to see that the direction I was heading was not the direction I ended up. And it's 30 years later, y'all, and that bothers me. That bothers me. For a while, anyway, I was the foolish son and a grief to my father. We don't want to be that. So just looking at this simple passage of Scripture and looking at these principles, that's pretty good fatherly advice, wouldn't you say? From the ultimate father-son duo that's ever and will ever exist. That's some good daily, practical, live-out-your-life advice. But I want us to look at a whole other aspect of this relationship, and certainly it's appropriate. I want us to not just look at our daily life application, but the other application would be our eternal lives, our spiritual lives, okay? And so similar to how I phrased it in the last section, are you somebody's child? Of course, if you're breathing, you have parents. Let me ask you this. Are you a child of God? Do you have a heavenly father? And you know what? In John 17, in verse number 3, the Lord does not leave us to guess what that's all about. He says very clearly, I love this about the Lord, about the Bible, and this is life eternal. Maybe you talk to people about the afterlife or eternal life, and, and, and people you talk to at work or in your neighborhood all have different uh, suppositions and thoughts and conjecture about what that really is and what it's really like and what any life that might exist after this life might be like. And you know God loves us enough that he didn't leave us to just guess. He just laid it out there in black and white. This is life eternal. And he describes it. It says that they might know thee, Jesus speaking to the Father, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life literally is knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ. If you've been with us in our study through John, you might recall John chapter 14 and verse number one. It starts out and says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. So believe in God. Yes, a lot of people believe in God all over the world, right? Do they believe also in Jesus? And you've got to understand that when it talks about that, belief is certainly much more than just some intellectual agreement with a set of facts. To say, I believe in God, in other words, I'm not an atheist, is not enough. To say, I believe in Jesus Christ, that he truly was a historical figure of 2,000 years prior who actually died on a cross in, outside of Jerusalem, etc., etc., it's not enough. The Bible says that they might know thee and Jesus Christ. That, that word know is a very personal, intimate knowledge. It's a personal relationship. Dean expressed how in the Amish community there was a religion, but not necessarily a relationship in the explanation of God's dealing or man's dealing with God. And so that's exactly what he's talking about. The question then, are you a child of God? Do you have a heavenly father? Is really this question, do you know God personally? Like you know your friends. Do you know him personally? I'm going to draw your attention to a well-known passage of Scripture for many of you. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. 
Notice what it says. This is a snapshot of what it will be like in the end, in the day of judgment. And Jesus Christ speaking, he says in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. I mean, these are religious people. These are people who believe in God. These are people who do good works. Verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And so what you see in this situation, like in so many areas of life today, we understand it in life, but sometimes we don't apply it to God. You've heard the expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Do you know that that's how you get into heaven? It's not what you know. It's, it's not that you know Bible verses and can quote them. It's not that you've got your you know, perfect attendance pin for Sunday school and it's not that you give a certain amount of money or it's not that you do enough good things because you can't do enough good things. You have to know the one who has the keys of death and hell. You have to know him personally. Do you know him personally? Are you a child of God? I mean, if we're talking about Father's Day, is there any other fatherly relationship that really is more important to your eternal life than this fatherly relationship? Of course not. Listen, there's a lot of religious people who do good works that will find themselves in this application of Matthew chapter 7 and ultimately sent to a devil's hell. And you don't want to be among those people. Now, he says in Matthew chapter 7, it's interesting, verse 21, it says, not everyone that just says, Lord, Lord, but he says, he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He that doeth the will of the Father ultimately makes it. So what, what exactly is that all about? Well, let me just tell you, according to the scriptures, there is only one will of God for a man who does not personally know Jesus Christ as his Savior. There's only one will for that person, okay? And it's found, among many places, it's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, where it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Notice, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will for you, if you do not know that you know Jesus Christ personally, for all of us, God's will is that you repent. <laughs> repent of your sin, turn to him, and surrender your life to him. That's God's will for your life. Beyond that, there is no will of God for your life whatsoever. In any other detail of your life, there is no will until you take care of that. Once you take care of that, then there's all kind of things that the Bible says that is God's will for your life. But for a lost man, that is the will of God. Let me draw your attention to John chapter 6 and verse number 29. It says this, Jesus answered and said unto them, notice, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. I want to do God's work. Believe on Jesus. That's God's work. That's what he wants you to do. Okay? And, and so the question then, are you a child of God? Do you have a heavenly father? Do you know him personally? Do, have you done his will? Are you doing his work? Have you done the thing that he's asked you to do? The question that I have for you is, have you done that? Have you done the one thing he's asked you to do? People say, well, I'm doing the best I can. 
Well, the best you can is to believe on Jesus. Have you done that? Have you fully surrendered your life to his lordship? Have you repented of your sins? Have you entered into a personal relationship with him? In John chapter 8 and verse 24, Jesus says this, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And so he gives us a stern warning. And he says, look, it's all about putting your complete faith and trust in me, and if you don't do it, then at the end of life, you die in your sins. And dying in with your sins on you instead of on Jesus means that you end up in eternal damnation. Romans chapter 10, Dean referred to it earlier as well in verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you done that? You know, in a minute we're going to wrap this up and we're going to pray and I just encourage you, if you're here and you're sitting there thinking, I've been in church all my life, but I just don't know that if my life were to tragically end before this day was over, that I would absolutely have my home in heaven. I don't know that I know Jesus personally. I know a lot of facts about the Bible. Man, God brought you here for a reason. He brought you here so that you could make that decision. And, and just in your own way before him, you can just surrender your heart and your life to him, and I encourage you to do that. But I realize that most of you here today would say, look, I've already done that. I know. It's always good to hear it again. It is, but, but I've done that. I am a child of God. I have a heavenly father. Okay, great. Well, the next question then is for you. Are you a spiritual father? Do you have spiritual children? A spiritual father. What is a spiritual father? Well, in the life that we have in Jesus Christ, are you an individual who is a believer, a child of God, who then shares the good news of Jesus Christ with others so that they can become children of God and you take on the role of a father in that you help lead and guide and nurture and admonish and raise up and teach and train and feed and protect and provide for these young believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a spiritual father? In John chapter 17, again, in verse number four, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, you have to understand when you look at this verse, when Jesus says, I have finished the work that you gave me to do, that he cannot possibly be referring to the one work that we all think about when we say Jesus had one thing he had to do. He had more than one thing, but we think if he had one thing for sure to do, it was to die on the cross for our sins, and that's absolutely true. But he cannot possibly be referring to the crucifixion in verse number four because he hadn't died yet. So whatever work he's referring to in verse number four, it has to be something that is other than the crucifixion. Would you agree? It has to be something else. And if you'll come back next week and the week after, we'll walk through the rest of John chapter 17 and see in more detail exactly what it's all about. What it really is, is if you just glance down, for example, to verse number eight, it's very clear. What he's talking about is the work of raising spiritual children. Verse number eight, he's praised to the Father concerning the disciples. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst sent me. So the work that Jesus finished at this point in time in history is the work of being a spiritual father to the disciples. 
of having given them the instruction and information and nurture and guidance and protection and provision and all of these things to get them to the point to stand on their own two spiritual feet to be able to carry on the work of the ministry because in just a few hours, they're going to take him away to be crucified. He finished the work of being a spiritual father. Around here, the word that we use when we talk about the work of the Lord, it's discipleship. It's discipleship. It's taking somebody and helping them to grow up in their maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. The great commission that we most frequently refer to of all the different places and the ways that it's expressed is in Matthew chapter 28. Verses 19 and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Literally, to make them disciples. It's the work of evangelism and spreading the word of God to make people disciples of Jesus Christ, that they would gain new life in Christ. So teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. Amen. So we are to evangelize and share the gospel with others so that they can gain new life in Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual birth we baptize them as the public profession of this reality that's internal to them and then we begin to teach them all things this is not a lesson about baptism but while we're here let me just say part of the reason why some of you can't grow in your life in Jesus Christ might be because you just refuse to obey God and believers baptism because the teaching part comes after that part and I really encourage you to do that but he says teach don't just teach them all things but teach them to observe or to do all things. That's training. That's raising up your children. That's teaching your children how to grow up and be contributing factors in society for generations to come. So the question is, for any and all of us now, male, female, young, or old, are you involved in the work of the Lord? If you say, yes, I'm a child of God, are you a father? Now, some of you say, well, I just got saved, man. Give me a chance. (laughs) Okay, no problem. But How about for those of us that would say, we've been saved for at least five years. Listen, if you've been saved for at least five years and you're not actively, currently taking the Word of God and looking for opportunities to share it with other people, you're not actively and currently investing the maturity that God has given to you in the life of a younger believer, listen, there's plenty of people. I don't care what level of growth you are at. There's somebody who is younger and newer than you that you can help. Then you're really not doing the work of the Lord. You're not really doing the work that the Lord did when the Lord was here and the work that he calls all of us to do. And that is the work of parenting. It's the work of being a father. It's the work of nurturing, admonishing, caring for, feeding, helping younger believers grow up in the Lord. And in just five verses in John chapter 17, we draw out some very simple principles with the ultimate father-son relationship. They set the model for us. We may not all have the perfect, of course we don't have, the perfect father-son relationship with our dads or with our kids. We do the best we can. But Jesus Christ and God the Father model for us exactly what we should be doing. And can I tell you all today that in the world of it being Dad's Day and all that sort of thing, that Father's Day can be celebrated by those of you who may not even have physical children if indeed you were involved in the work of the Lord because you are fathering, you are raising up 
others in Jesus Christ to be mature. And that process just has to happen day by day, step by step, little by little. I'm going to finish with this verse out of the Proverbs again. It's in chapter number 6, starting in verse number 20. My son, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of thy mother. We see that again repeated. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. Wherever you go, wherever you happen to find yourself, little by little, here, there, wherever, let it just build. Let it be a part of your life. Let it be a consistent, regular part of who you are. We're going to pray here in just a second. I just want to ask you a question. Are you sure that you are a child of God? That's the ultimate thing. Y'all, if you are here and you are not sure, do not let yourself leave here. Do not let anything whisper in your ear and say, yeah, I'll think about it. Listen, God is stirring in your heart. If, he, if you feel that, God is stirring in your heart today for a reason because he loves you and he gave his life and he saw to it that you would be here today to hear this so that you could make this decision and, and be done with it once and for all. Be a child of God and move on with this glorious new life in him. And if you are here and you say, I'm already saved, but I haven't been a father. It's time for me to man up and be a real father in the Lord. I've been saved long enough and it's time for me to take my fatherly responsibility seriously. Let's all pray together.